Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Would love to tell you we've got a good martini. We've got two great sponsors today. We can uh, talk about those a little bit later. But Jim, uh, we're all Afghanistan again today, and today's obviously August 30th. Tomorrow's the deadline. Afghanistan's several hours ahead of us, or several hours and a half, which shows you how screwed up things are over there. Um, So let's just get right into it. Uh, Right now... The administration is claiming that there's not that many Americans left, maybe just a couple hundred. Uh, A lot of people are disputing that. And what they're also very much disputing is whether those Americans can get out. Yes, yes, the ones that want to get out, uh, to to talk about that phrase that we heard so much over the past couple of weeks. But there are people in line. They're being stopped at the gates. And um, Clarissa Ward, who did uh, very good reporting from Afghanistan uh, at the time that Kabul fell, she's now out of Afghanistan reporting today from Pakistan, talking to the folks on CNN's morning show about the Americans who just can't get through. I have Americans reaching out to me all the time at the moment who are in Afghanistan. In fact, I've just been on the phone this morning with a family of four from Houston, Texas. I have seen pictures and videos of all of their American passports. Uh, I have spoken with the mother who said that they have gone to the gates every day for two weeks and they have a problem in that the Taliban will not let them pass. They have tried to reach out to the U.S. military, and the U.S. military has said that they are doing everything that they can to, uh, you know, find a way for them, but so far, they haven't been able to find that way, and they're in a complete panic right now. I mean, this mother told me, no one's helping us. What are we supposed to do? We just want to go home. These people live in the U.S. They had gone to Afghanistan to visit her parents and just happened to get caught up in this whole situation. We're hearing stories like that all the time. Well, that's being said, and many other people are saying the same thing, you've got Ross Wilson, effectively the U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan. Technically, he's the charge d'affaires, but he tweets out this morning, this is a high-risk operation, claims that American citizens have been turned away or denied access to Hamid Karzai International Airport by embassy staff or U.S. forces are false. So, Jim, uh, that conflicts with other reporting that we've heard, but uh, whether the State Department won't let them through or the Taliban won't let them through, uh, the bottom line is that Americans are in Kabul, we're not at the deadline yet, and they can't get out. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've had anything, if you've done anything involving the federal government, and you've seen politicians, you've seen government officials speak, you know to parse what they say very, very carefully. You know, maybe going all the way, all the way back to the days of it depends on what the definition of is is. <laughs> um, Ross Wilson's tweet was emphasizing U.S. citizens. There's nothing. They didn't say anything about green card holders. They didn't say anything about special immigrant visas. Um, that seems like a you know. I think putting that out and not acknowledging it, and then of course not addressing anything that Clarissa Ward is saying about people with U.S. passports cannot get past these Taliban checkpoints is disingenuous to the point of uh, attempting to obscure the reality of what's going to go on on the ground there. By the way, uh, Greg, uh, you know, I'm not going to say a fun fact, just an observation. Ross Wilson was the U.S. ambassador to Turkey for the second year that I was over there. Uh, Eric Edelman was the first ambassador. Terrific guy. uh, Had me into his office very early on. Went on, you know, um, the perception was that he was, you know, very close to Cheney and the Turks were complaining that, ah, 
you know, he's a Jew, you know, and he's he's like, plugged in with the neocons and all that kind of stuff. And then Edelman announced he was leaving to take a position at the uh, Pentagon as an undersecretary of, of defense. And then all the Turks like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's leaving. Where are you going? <laughs> um, Ross Wilson replaced him. And I got to tell you, I can't remember a darn thing about him. Uh, he made very little impression on me one way or the other. So I'd like to say, oh, he's terrible, but I don't have memories of that. But I also don't have any memories of him being uh, a particularly good U.S. ambassador while I was there. Um, nothing new to report from my reader who's trying to get his former Afghan employees out of there. Not much new and nothing good. He does say, however, and probably an indicator that further evidence that things are not running as smoothly at the State Department as uh, uh, Ross Wilson or other folks would have us believe. Uh, he says the embassy finally contacted me last night. They asked me all he's, he's, he's uh, there to verify their employ the employment of these people uh, with a U.S. contractor at this point was doing construction on various projects for the U.S. and for the Afghan government. Um, and it says all the same questions I already answered multiple times and multiple submissions. He says, tell me, he tells me it's like customer service from hell, but it's not funny and it never will be. That's about all that I can report. There's nothing really new to report on that front. The news has not been good. And we are in what is presumably, if not the last 24 hours, we've got to be last 36 hours, you think? You know, we, we, the time really is running out. I imagine once they start loading the military onto those planes, there are no more civilian flights going out of there. So the situation is as bad as it possibly can be. The administration continues to give us happy talk. I would love to see everything John Kirby says and everybody, everyone in the administration says, run by Clarissa Ward in instant fact checking. So every time, and every time they say they say something, I'd like Clarissa Ward to just burst through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and say, no, that's not true. <laughs> and just, you know, like see what they have to say in response to that, because she's been there, she's seen it, she's been in communication with these people. Um, the sneaking suspicion is that we have a, a terrible situation on the ground. And the administration seems to think that they can gaslight people into believing, oh, don't worry, all of this is running fine. Jim, the math here from this administration is also mind boggling. I mean, we heard a couple of weeks ago, that there's anywhere from 10 to 15,000 Americans in Kabul. Now we're told that we've gotten 5,000 out and there's only 300 left uh, potentially to get out, which isn't even consistent with Blinken's math from last week when I think he said we had 4,500 out, 500 more we've identified and 1,000 more we're still trying to reach. So I don't know if they're trying to give us the impression that everybody's getting out when it's going to be blatantly obvious that that's not the case. Sure. I mean, is it possible that when that original 10,000 to 15,000 number that included some amount of people who had already left the, the country and not let the State Department know? I guess it's possible. We, we've seen bureaucratic snafus and stuff like that. But the idea of it being off by about 10,000 is really tough to believe. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot more answers here, and we're going to get into more of this in the next couple of martinis. But, uh, Jim, uh, let's let's take a little bit of a, a break here and talk about how awesome the meat is from Omaha Steaks. Uh, we did this ad, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago, and I just burst out in the beginning and saying, bacon-wrapped filet mignon. Can you imagine having such a thing? Well, Friday, I had bacon-wrapped filet mignon. Oh my goodness, the flavor combination is phenomenal. This is now my new favorite thing from Omaha Steaks. And look, this can be yours as well. And it's a fantastic deal from Omaha Steaks. Labor Day is just around the corner. We're getting kind of 
close to the end of grilling season here. So get ready. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code martini into the search bar and order the Deluxe Grill Out Assortment. The Deluxe Grill Out Assortment includes over 30 entrees. Uh, my favorites are, again, the bacon wrap filet mignon, uh, but the, the regular steaks are fantastic. I love the burgers. Uh, had their au gratin potatoes also uh, with the uh, filet mignon, and that was excellent as well. But in addition to the excellent food, you'll also save over 50% and you'll get 12 free burgers. And these are basically steaks inside a bun. So you get the bacon wrap filet mignons. Have I mentioned that already? Boneless chicken breasts, boneless pork chops, filet mignon burgers, gourmet jumbo franks, all beef meatballs, sides, and desserts. It really is a fantastic package. And when you visit omahasteaks.com and put in the keyword martini, you save over 50% when you order the deluxe grill-out assortment. Plus, you get those 12 free Omaha Steaks burgers, and you'll really enjoy those final cookouts of the summer. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword martini. All right, let's talk about Afghanistan a little bit more here, Jim, because the Washington Post did a pretty deep dive into um, how things got to where they are, and they go back a couple of weeks to the point where it looked like the Taliban was uh, pretty much running roughshod through the rest of the country and most uh, major cities, the Afghan army wasn't putting up any sort of a fight. And so the fall of Kabul seemed uh, more and more imminent, even though we were told by John Kirby and others, it's not imminent. And then 48 hours later, it was. So uh, talking about how to arrange the situation in Kabul. This is what the Post reports. In a hastily arranged in-person meeting, senior U.S. military leaders in Doha, including McKenzie, this is General McKenzie, the commander of U.S. Central Command, spoke with Abdul Ghani Baradar, the head of the Taliban's political wing. We have a problem, Baradar said, according to the U.S. official. We have two options to deal with it. You, meaning the U.S. military, take responsibility for securing Kabul, or you have to allow us to do it. Throughout the day, President Biden had remained resolute in his decision to withdraw all American troops from Afghanistan. The collapse of the Afghan government had not changed his mind. McKenzie, aware of those orders, told Baradar that the U.S. mission was only to evacuate American citizens, Afghan allies, and others at risk. The United States, he told Baradar, needed the airport to do that. And so the Taliban ended up getting control of Kabul. And so... Jim, when you think about the chaos of getting to the airport, when you think about uh, the Taliban having these checkpoints and these being these gatekeepers and uh, whether they allowed ISIS-K to get close to the airport, uh, we don't know. Uh, it seems like an absolute nightmare of a decision. On the other hand, you'd probably have to bring in a lot more U.S. troops to patrol the city, and who knows how vulnerable they would be as targets. So it's not an easy decision, but uh, the fact that... Uh, this is how it went down also doesn't sit very well. Yeah. Uh, look, when your enemy is coming to you and saying, we have a problem, you have leverage. You may not have as much leverage as you'd like. You may not have, uh, you may be forced into some uncomfortable or awkward compromises for your priorities, but you, you are not in a situation where you are powerless. And the administration messaging throughout all this has been like, well, they, they have, first of all, they have this inherently self-contradictory look, all of this was inevitable, all of this, none of this could have been prevented. This is going as well as it possibly could. Uh, and also, we didn't know that the Afghan government was going to collapse as quickly as it did. And it's this, you know, wanting it both ways of, look, no one could have foreseen this. And also, we totally foresaw this. This is all going the way we expected. Um, it basically, the answer is they can't mis you know, admit mistakes at any point. This account in the Washington Post really is troubling, though, because it means that there was an option for preventing this particular form of chaos. 
Is it possible that things would have this, you know, we would have replaced one set of problems with a number? Yes, but it does indicate, for example, we could have said, we're going to need Bagram Air Base back opened up. We're going to need two ways to get our to get our people out of the country instead of one. Uh, it means they could have extended a perimeter far outside from the airport. It means they could have had secure corridors for uh, Americans and Afghan allies of the United States to to travel through. Um, we had leverage. We had a certain amount of leverage. You know, look, the, the worst thing would happen is the, Af the Taliban would say no. When they're basically coming and saying, look, either we control the city or you do. The Taliban is indicating at that point they're patient. They can see the writing on the wall. They're going to have Kabul. It is much less important to them about having it um, in the beginning, you know, whether they get it September 1st or some other date versus, you know, do they get the city intact or is it an absolute, you know, hellacious wasteland? I assume they were expecting house to house fighting and a really bloody uh, assault on the city. Turned out to not be the case. But it's one of those things where at that point we could have said to them, all right, look, we're going to need X number of weeks to get all of our people out. I know we'd said we were leaving August 31st, and I know you're very frustrated by that, but you can fight us on the way out or you can you can watch us leave from outside the city limits. Which would you rather have? And I, it sounds like the Taliban was, you know, at least in these at least from this report, sounds like they were willing to play ball. However, some of this might have required putting in more troops, and it meant, um, I mean, the irony is that Biden ended up sending in more troops to assist with the uh, evacuation anyway. So he was, you know, we're talking about things that were inevitable. The idea that you could have, you know, managed a departure uh, with only a handful, a hundred of, uh, a couple hundred troops is, is just mind boggling. Um, again, the, probably the most frustrating aspect is that, is that statement that says, throughout the day, Biden refused to budge on his position that all U.S. troops had to be up by August 31st. Yeah. And that's an arbitrary deadline. Keep in mind, he keeps talking about how he can't change it. First of all, he did change it from May 1st, which he says was locked in because of Trump. That was the original date. He pushed it back to September 11th and then brought it back a little bit earlier to uh, August 31st. Obviously, he could have changed that again if he wanted to. And keep in mind, the reason he originally picked September 11th is because he wanted this great 20-year symbolism of being done with the war on the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. So um, he wanted a talking point and pretty costly talking point. And they said, well, he can, he can do it now. That'll go, right, that'll go well for him. Wow. All right. All right. We need to cleanse the palate because our, our crazy one is super crazy, too. But uh, let's talk about some more good news, and that's that you can break out of the student debt cycle with earnest. We still have low interest rates. Don't know how long that's going to be the case, so take advantage of them while you can. And uh, it's a great time to refinance those student loans. Times can be tough right now. Economy's not the greatest, but worrying about your student loan payments doesn't make things any easier. And that's where refinancing with Earnest can really help. So say goodbye to those stressful student loan payments and take charge of your future with Earnest. Earnest offers low-rate student loan refinancing, and you can check your rate risk-free in just two minutes. With Earnest, you get radically flexible payments, and you can pick your loan term. And by refinancing, you can reduce your loan term, save money, or combine multiple loans into a simple monthly payment. And if you have questions, you can even talk to a real live human being at Earnest for help. Now, isn't it time you stopped feeling overwhelmed by your student debt? Earnest is right now offering Three Martini listeners a $100 cash bonus. So refinance your student loans at earnest.com slash martini. Terms and conditions do apply. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you visit earnest.com slash martini to refinance your student loan. It's not available in all states, though. So check it out. Terms and conditions apply. 
And here's some legal. Earnest Student Loan Refinancing made by Earnest Operations, LLC, NMLS, number 1204917, California Financing Law, license number 6054788, 535 Mission Street, San Francisco, California, 94105. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licenses. All right, Jim, on to the crazy martini now. And this is from yesterday's CNN, State of the Union with Jake Tapper. Uh, it was the two Jakes. He had uh, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, on. And so Tapper asking the obvious question, given the turmoil over trying to protect against terrorist attacks and trying to actually evacuate our own U.S. troops, there's still people stuck. They're trying to get in. They're not going to get in. What are you going to do about it after August 31st? Here is that exchange. And just try to imagine Jake Sullivan thinking he's in the real world here. We're now just... 48 hours away from this August 31st deadline, you and I both know there are Americans on the ground in Kabul right now who who can't get into the airport. They can't even uh, reach it. Uh, There are legal permanent residents of the United States who can't get out. There are Afghans who have the special immigrant visas who cannot get out. They're obviously not all going to get out by the deadline. They just aren't. So what happens to them after Tuesday? So first, Jake, we believe that we're down to a population of 300 or fewer American citizens who have yet to get out. We have evacuated more than 5,000. We evacuated well more than 300 just yesterday. So we believe there's still an opportunity for American citizens to get to the airport, get on planes and get home. But you're right. August 31st is not a cliff. After August 31st, we believe that we have substantial leverage to hold the Taliban to its commitments to allow safe passage for American citizens, legal permanent residents, and the Afghan allies who have travel documentation to come to the United States. Okay, first of all, besides the fact that he's still trying to set up this, every American who wants to get out did get out after August 31st. Jim, whatever leverage we have now isn't convincing the Taliban to let people through. What leverage do we have after tomorrow? The only thing I can think of is essentially financial aid, international aid. And, you know, I saw some just mind boggling numbers that apparently 40 percent of Afghanistan's GDP is dependent upon international aid. And so between that, the World Bank, International Monetary Fund, all these different groups that are supposed to be keeping the economy going for places like this. Theoretically, the U.S. could turn off the money and really leave uh, Afghanistan in rough shape for a country that's already in really, really bad shape. I'm not completely convinced that that's going to be I, I, I just never bought the idea that any of these things are all that persuasive to a bunch of guys who throw acid into the faces of schoolgirls. You know, those are animals. I don't think that these people spend a lot of time thinking about international economics. Um, what's mind boggling is that this you know, I, I get you know, is it possible that they'll be interested in doing this? I guess. I think what is you know what is probably very likely is that the Taliban may not want to get into a full if, if they have a hostage situation with US citizens, there's always the possibility that this will piss off the American people so badly that Biden feels no no uh, no other option than to go in and attempt to rescue them and or you know some sort of punitive strike against the Af- uh, the Taliban. Let's assume for now that the Taliban wants to keep control of the country that they have just, you know, effectively reconquered. They're going to want, you know, to not get into another fight with the U.S. because they've demonstrated. They remember how it happened back in 2001. So my guess is that they don't want to they wouldn't do anything. However, Afghan people, they're very clear. They basically said that if you're an Afghan and you work with the Americans, not only are we not letting you get to the airport, not only are we not letting you get on those planes, we're executing you. So my suspicion is that the Taliban will have a very strict Americans can get through. Yeah, we'll help you get out through, you know, get to the airport and put you on some flight in September. 
But I suspect that all the Afghan who helped us, man, they're not going to let a single one of those guys go through. They want to make they want to make examples out of them. So my, you know, also like the, the Afghans who leave, there's always a possibility they'll come back and stir up some trouble for the Taliban some other day. So my guess is um, we're going to have very limited leverage after September 1st. And I think this administration is, as usual, you know, whistling past the graveyard and just hoping that between now and then some other solution presents itself. Not going to be pretty. Not going to be pretty at all. So uh, we hope for a good martini sometime soon. But uh, this story, we're uh, hitting the deadline as of tomorrow. And of course, right around the time we record around noon tomorrow, uh, I mean, we're going to be looking at, um, you know, just a few hours left uh, before the U.S. military itself pulls out. So the chances for uh, civilians to get out is dwindling very, very quickly. So, Jim, again, hopeful for better news uh, soon, but uh, not today. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. We also certainly want to extend our best wishes uh, to our friends along the Gulf Coast. Uh, many of you perhaps can't even hear us today with the loss of power. If you're on limited battery power, there's probably more important things to do with that limited battery power. Our archives will always be there for you, but we're praying for you. Uh, we pray that your lives are safe, most of all, and then your property as well as this horrible storm goes through. Uh, we thank everyone for listening uh, to the podcast today. Uh, if you don't subscribe, please do. Uh, tell your friends about us as well. Always grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also, remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a good Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.